Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Student Minister Wes Raspberry. All right, well, good morning again. Lucky for you, you are getting post-D-Now Wes. Um, if you didn't know, our student ministry has been involved in an area-wide retreat this past weekend, Friday night through all day yesterday, and we're kind of wrapping it up in our class time this morning. Um, it was a great weekend uh, full of a lot of things. I got to see students chug Dr. Pepper. Um, I got to see students eat spicy ghost pepper chips. Uh, but in all seriousness, I got to see and witness students, over a thousand students, um, raise their hands in worship, praise, praise the Lord, uh, and, and sing last night, especially sing the words, I will build my life on Jesus. It's been a great weekend. Um, but I'm excited about uh, what's, what's, what we're unpacking this morning as well. Um, if, if you remember last week, Keith Maloney and Matt Mazza kind of introed this series, kind of uh, gave an introduction of sorts, kind of lined out where we're headed. Uh, and then the week before that, I was up here and I gave a very happy and chipper message about why we all need healing. But this morning, we're, we're in week two, uh, but really week one officially, because we're digging into the first of these five lessons, the, the first of five of these things. Uh, but before I get too far into all that, let me, let me pause and open with a prayer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a time to gather together this morning. Thank you for waking us up this morning. God, I pray that... Um, that this morning, we, as, we've, as we've sung and as we've praised, I uh, pray that uh, our praise would be acceptable and a sweet offering to you. Uh, and I pray that we might encounter you in some way um, through the worship, through uh, the teaching, uh, through relationships this morning. And God, right now, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching so Christ might be formed in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you for all that you do, God. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. I want to go ahead and just jump right into Scripture. Um, if you'll open your text or app or whatever to uh, Luke 13. Luke 13. I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even take up the soil? Why should it even use the soil? Sir, the man replied, the, the worker, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then we can cut it down. So I like to kind of unpack these stories just to make sure we have a level playing field of what's really going on. So let's just kind of dig, dig into this and, and identify the characters and, and what's happening. 
So we have this vineyard owner, this, this guy, and um, he has this one tree in his vineyard that for three years hasn't produced any fruit. It's a pretty bad record, right? Zero fruit for three years. That's not a good tree to have in your vineyard. And then we have this other uh, guy in the story. He's the worker. He kind of manages the vineyard. He takes care of the plants. And so when the, when the vineyard owner says, hey, let's cut this tree down because it's just wasting space, it's just wasting the soil, the, the worker says, hold on, give it one more year, which is a pretty long time, give it one more year, and I'll work specifically on this tree. I will, I will dig around it, and I'll add fertilizer to it. And if after that year, if it, if it doesn't have any more fruit, if after that year of me spending special attention, paying special attention to this tree, if it doesn't have any fruit, then we can cut it down. But if not, let's, let's leave it. I'm no botanist, and it's probably even a stretch to say that I have a green thumb. Um, I really like plants. I like the idea of plants. I like what plants do for us, how they give us oxygen. Uh, Kylie really likes plants. And I think that they're, they're really interesting. I think that they add a lot of color to spaces. But I'm not good at, at taking care of plants. Uh, to give you a, a, maybe an instance, um, oftentimes when we go out of town, I, I forget to find someone to feed our dog. So you can imagine how much I'm thinking about taking care of plants in our house. And a couple of years ago, I was up here and I, I, I shared pretty bluntly my feelings about one of the most trendy, boho, chic, whatever adjective, fill it in, plants that are common right now, the fiddle leaf fig tree the most temperamental plant that I've ever encountered. I've planted a tree one time in my life. Uh, when I was in fourth grade, I was gifted a tree from my class for Arbor Day, and I was so excited, and we planted it in our backyard, and I, I don't even know if it lasted two months, honestly. It was dead in a year for sure. I'm not good at taking care of plants. But even if you're not a plant person like me, I think that this parable, this story offers some insight, as they tend to do, offers some, uh, some, some message or some meaning for all of us in our lives. Dr. Henry Cloud, the, the author of Churches That Heal, this content that we're working through, he unpacks this parable and he relates it to the foundation of healing. And, and remember, he's a Christian psychologist professionally, and he's a Christian and so he says, based on this parable, but also based on my personal life, my personal walk, but also based on my professional experience, this is the foundation for healing. These are the three elements that you need, the three key elements, grace, truth, and time. And from this parable, we see the second person, the worker, say, let me dig around it. He says, let me find the truth. Have you ever experienced, or maybe even it's manifested in your own life, there's, there's something, a, a person who, who acts a certain way or behaves a certain way, does certain things. Uh, I'm trying to imagine maybe, maybe a kid in a class, right? And they're acting out and they're just goofing off and they're just being really, really unruly in the class. And so you pull them aside and you say, hey, what's, what's going on? And maybe they say, on board. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they are bored. Maybe they need something more challenging, right? But oftentimes, oftentimes, isn't it something deeper? Maybe there's something going on at home. There's, there's an issue, a, a deeper issue or, or hurt or problem that's, that's manifesting in these actions of, 
of acting out or, or being unruly. Or I think about like adults. <laughs> maybe, maybe you, you know somebody or maybe you do this yourself where you uh, try to think through every possible scenario of how something's going to go, every, every way or every thing that could happen so you're prepared, so you know what's going to happen so you can know how to, how to respond, right? Maybe it's in every conversation you think beforehand, you're like, okay, they say this, and then I'm going to say this, and if they say this, I'm going to say this. Are you a Boy Scout? Just want to be prepared? Maybe. Maybe you are. But if you're like me, I I do this. If you're like me, sometimes you feel insecure or inadequate. And so you prepare to make yourself look good in those scenarios, so you know how to respond in those different ways. Do you see what I mean? There's, there's, there's actions or there's things that we do and we can draw assumptions from those actions of what's going on, but oftentimes there's really something deeper, a, a root issue. So the vineyard worker says, let me dig around this tree and let me find out what's really going on. Let me find the truth. And then he says, not only let me dig around it, but let me add fertilizer to it. Cloud makes the distinction here. He says, this fertilizer can only be brought from an outside source. We need others coming in and, and, and helping us. And, and I love the way he, he phrases it in, in one of his videos about this. He says, the created cannot create on its own. So maybe you've experienced in this, this in your life as well. There's an issue or problem. Maybe it's a small thing. I think about my life, when I don't know how to fix the brakes on my car, I call my father-in-law. When I have an issue with technology, I call my friend who works in that field, or I talk to my friend Google. Or when I have a, a theological issue or something that I don't know how to handle in ministry, I call my mentor. We need others. We need this help from outside sources. We need this fertilizer. We need grace. And then lastly, the worker says, okay, I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to add fertilizer to it, but give me a year. Give me a year to work on this tree. Leave it alone for one more year. See, things take time. What I want to really emphasize right here, and maybe this is the most important part of the whole message, we need all three of these things. We need all three, grace, truth, and time. We can't just hold one independently and just disregard the other two. We can't just elevate one. You might be sitting there thinking, well, what about truth? Truth is obviously most important. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Truth is absolutely important, but but what happens if we just throw away the other two or, or just elevate truth to a higher level? Well, I think what we get is we get legalism, doing church for the sake of checking boxes, which is not really unlike the the Old Testament sacrificial system that we see. I've offended God in some way. What can I do? I've sinned. Sacrifice your fattened calf or two doves or, or whatever, and then your slate will be wiped clean. Or we find ourselves looking a lot like the Pharisees, you know, the ones who really shouldn't be our role models at all. 
the ones who Jesus rebukes over and over again. He says, really, you're going you're gonna to come after me for healing someone on the Sabbath? You're going to come after me for helping somebody? You're going to come after me for my, my disciples picking a head of grain? You tithe, and that's great, but your life doesn't reflect a lifestyle of giving. Your, your mind doesn't reflect a mindset of abundance. That 10% is only a suggestion. You need to be living a life of giving, and your lifestyle for sure doesn't reflect a lifestyle of justice and mercy and faithfulness. And over and over, he rebukes them. Maybe this isn't something that you deal with much as as a trap or a vice today, but it's for sure something that our tradition, our heritage has walked through. Truth, when elevated and taken out of these other two elements, can be a little messy. What about grace? Well, oftentimes we hold, we hold grace and truth on two sides. So if we swing the pendulum the other way, we can get to a place that's equally as unhelpful. How could grace be a bad thing? Well, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't ever be a bad thing. But as Paul reminds the church that gathered in Rome, we can often cheapen grace. I'm going to read from Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let me read that first part again. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Basically, Paul says, no, you idiots. No. Don't cheapen grace. It's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. Don't cheapen grace. And lastly, time. If we elevated time or took away grace and truth completely, I think we're left with two different scenarios. One, we procrastinate because we think we have too much time. Or two, we try to speed up the whole thing because we are not patient. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that by and large, we struggle with the latter way more. We are not good at being patient. Think about your own life. When was the last time that you left early just to enjoy your commute? <laughs> when was the last time that you left early just to have a little bit of margin between your next appointment? When was the last Saturday that you didn't have anything scheduled? No social engagements, no sports activities, no birthday parties, no errands to run? When was the last time you slept in and let your body wake up? You didn't set an alarm. We are a culture and a society that has an issue with time. I'm going to step on some toes here. We are a church that has an issue with time. We are too committed, we're too busy, and we do too much. I think when a phrase that we use commonly uh, is, I can make time for that, we have a problem. Because who are we to think that we can make time? A writer named Jeremy Rifkin summed it up like this. 
He said, we're a nation in love with speed. We drive fast, eat fast, make love fast. We are obsessed with breaking records and shortening time spans. We digest our lives, condense our experiences, and compress our thoughts. We're a culture surrounded by memos and commercials. While other cultures might believe haste makes waste, we are convinced that speed reflects alertness, power, and success. Americans are always in a hurry. But here's the thing, we don't, we don't save that time. We don't store it up in, in like some little battery that we have, a backup, and we're able to access it later. We can't do that. We just use it differently. He goes on and he says, it's ironic that in a culture so committed to saving time, we feel increasingly deprived of the very thing that we value. Despite our alleged efficiency, we seem to have less time for ourselves and far less time for each other. We've quickened the pace of life only to become less patient. We've become more organized, but less spontaneous and less joyful. We're better prepared to act on the future, but less able to enjoy the present and reflect on the past. Today, we've surrounded ourselves with time-saving technological gadgetry, only to be overwhelmed by plans that cannot be carried out, appointments that cannot be honored, schedules that cannot be fulfilled, and deadlines that cannot be met. And let me just give you a couple of maybe maddening statistics for you. In a lifetime, today's average person spends six months sitting at traffic lights, eight months opening junk mail, one year searching through desk clutter, two years trying to call people who aren't in, three years in meetings. And in a single day, an average American will commute 45 minutes, be interrupted 73 times, receive 600 advertising messages, and watch four hours of television. And if you're sitting there thinking, 73 times? I don't get interrupted 73 times each day. Maybe you're the one who's doing the interrupting. I, at least, am hoping that Matt Mazza is watching this because I need to have a conversation with him this week about how I don't want to spend three years in meetings in the course of my life. But in all seriousness, we need all three of these aspects to heal. We need all three, and they all need to have a level playing field with each other. We need to dig down deep and find out the root issues, the truth of what's really going on, not just the actions that are manifesting, but what's really hurting or painful. We need to fertilize. We need outside help. We need groups. We need people, faithful people to speak into our lives and help us. And we need to give it the time that it needs. We need to give it another year. Because all too often when problems arise in our lives, we don't really do the hard work. Sometimes we slap a Band-Aid on it, and we say we're healed, and we cheer. We really didn't dig down, or we really didn't find the help that we really needed, or we really didn't give it the time that it needed. Or maybe, maybe there's a, there's a, a, a relationship or, or a, maybe even in your own life, a person that you see and you move quick to judgment and you think, no, they're too far gone. They, they couldn't be healed. I couldn't be healed. I'm too far gone. So we give up on it and we just dismiss it. 
throw it away. But the truth, the good news of Scripture, good news about God, about Jesus, is that he doesn't give up on you and he doesn't give up on me. Or to quote the skit guys from their sketch, Chisel, God doesn't create junk. Or, if you want it another way, in the words of uh, content from our camps that we go to in the summer from Kadesh, you are an original masterpiece, which means I am an original masterpiece, which means that person that we think is too far gone is also an original masterpiece. So why would we move to judgment quickly? Why would we give up on them or give up on ourselves? We need healing. And like we've said the past couple of weeks, we need to be about this. This is for us. This is for you. We need to be a church that heals because people that don't know Jesus need that. We need to be a church that heals because we need that. And maybe, maybe Greenville Oaks needs to be about this more than other churches because trees have been in our iconography and in our name for so long. Not only that, but it's clearly evident in our mission, in our vision, in our values. We want to be a church that inspires people to follow Jesus. We want to love first. We want to combat isolation. We want to celebrate transformation. So this week, I I dare you, I challenge you to identify a problem in your life, an issue, a hurt, a pain, Maybe it's a relationship uh, that you have in your life right now. Maybe it's a relationship in your own family, relationship with your spouse, with your child, with your mom or your dad, with a friend. Or maybe it's just some other deep hurt in your life. I would challenge you to spend some time thinking through what that is and start the process of identifying, okay, what's the truth about this pain? What's really going on here? And then what's, what's the grace that's needed? What outside help do I need for this? Maybe it's getting involved in one of these groups that we're launching. We're walking through this together. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And then commit to giving it time. Again, that's maybe the hardest one for us. Things take time and healing for sure takes time. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, right? But things need time to grow and to heal, and to be restored, to be rebuilt. Let's be standing now as I close in a benediction. Today and this week, as you do the work to, initial work to identify the pain points, the issue, the problem, as you work to dig down deep and figure out what's really going on to figure out the truth, as you examine what outside help you might need, the grace that you might need for this, and as you commit to giving it the time that it needs and deserves, may you, may we also be reminded of the source of all healing, of all restoration, of all power, and all good things. Our Lord, our Savior, the great physician. May this bring us peace, and may we rest in that today and this week. Go in peace today. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. 
We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.